Christmas lodge were our prize. And I had given or to have been there at Valor's Parade the moment it appeared. She must have known in that moment what it meant, that the goal had slipped out from her grasp and there were a great multitude of problems promised to her and her tender sprig of power. To have seen that flicker of doubt pass behind those eyes, well, they could have sailed me across the last reach there and then it would have been worth it. In the immediate, it gave us so much of what we lacked. A sanctuary and a symbol, a meeting ground and a rallying cry. We converged on it like crabs on the shore, prodding and poking at a strange new thing that had been washed up. And you know what we found? That place were already shaped to our purpose. As if it knew what use would make of it before we even knew ourselves. Inside its frost-framed walls, we found chambers and meeting rooms, places to debate and to decide. Rooms enough to stay for those who needed it. Kitchens and pubs and salons. Gardens and alcoves, halls to make your point in. Corners where no one would ever overhear you. Quiet spaces to breathe and to think. And all the while, there were no turning the wrong corner. There were no getting lost unless you wanted it. There were doors with their reservations, of course, but the impetus of our turmoil shifted there. The goal was a creature of destiny after all, and we walked its path. Under those halls, our first assembly formed as our whole revolution, broad and various, came with their grievances and their doubts, their dreams and their ideals, and their hopes for what came next. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today are Steve Martin. Hello, I'm Steve, and you can follow me on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me on Twitter at Thryn. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at, at dDixon, and as always, you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. Today, we're not continuing our game of Light in the Dark, but we're instead playing a short one-off game. It's a custom game that we've written just for this episode based off of Avery Elder's The Quiet Year, which, if you've not played before, is a map-making game about community, a kind of playing to find out tensions and, and actions that community takes following the course of several seasons until eventually the Frost Shepherds come and it all ends. It's a great game. It's actually what we used before uh, we played The Tiding, just to do a little bit of world-building, so I'd thoroughly recommend. But the game we've got uses a lot of the same structure, but instead... What we're interested in today is not a community, but instead the revolution. I've not quite named this game. The name of the document I wrote it in is In Halls Yet Unwritten. So let's just use that for now. Um, but essentially, it is a game that we're going to be using to follow the early days of the Revolutionary Council and Embrace. We'll see who some of the major players are, we'll follow some of the factions, and we might draw a little bit on our map of Embrace as well, just to keep us rooted in the geography of the city. Does that all make sense? Yep, sounds pretty good to me. I will introduce the little bits of the game as we go on, rather than doing it all up front. But essentially, 
The way the game is structured is we take it in turns, and on our turn we will draw a card from a deck of cards, and that will give us some questions to answer. And we can be as broad with those answers as you want, we might just look at it from a distance, but also we know this world quite well, if you want to zoom into a scene at all, feel more than welcome to do that. And there are lots of familiar names and stuff already kind of assigned to the various factions here. Once you've entered your cards, you'll also then get to take an action as well, but I'll go through those when, when we have our first turn. We've got a deck of 13 cards shuffled together, and essentially the game ends when any of us draws the king card. There is a special question then, which we'll get to, and then we'll draw it to a close, and yeah, that'll be the end of this episode. So each turn in this is going to basically represent a day or two, in the life of this new revolutionary council, this new assembly of people. And some of these cards, I think we were looking at them before we started recording, like, there's a lot of potential for a lot to happen in this, like, week or two that we're playing out. But I think that is, that's the structure of this coming together. Like, there's there's a lot of politics happening here. There's a lot of decisions and actions and drama and all of that. So, a few days after Winter's Lodge breaches through the cut and arrives at the edge of Embrace. The various groups and networks of radicals scattered across the city come together to meet within its halls. They come at first not out of any grand plan or ambition. They come to meet, to talk, to confer, to try and work out simple steps to take next, what their future is as a revolution, and how to fend off the new threat of the resurgent family Nimshif. That meeting draws on, and that first day turns into a night, which turns into another day, which turns into another night, and that meeting becomes several, as different groups branch off into different spaces in the Winter's Lodge, and more and more groups come in to make their voices heard. And soon it becomes apparent that this isn't any kind of simple meeting. This isn't a chat between revolutionary groups, this is something more. This is an assemblage of all of the various revolutionary and radical factions in the city. This is a council. So when we play the Quiet Year, we're not necessarily playing as particular characters or factions, but we're all kind of playing a role where we're just kind of exploring what happens in the space. In one action we might decide what one faction does, in another action we might we might switch to their rivals and, and explore what they do. And we're kind of moving between those beats and just playing as like interested explorers into this world. So normally the first thing that the Quiet Year asks us to do is to draw a map. But instead of focusing too much on a, on a map, we have factions instead. So these are like the major and minor factions that make up the revolution. So I thought before we get into, into play, I'd go over quickly who they are. And this is more or less our starting picture. As we play, some of the cards will have us change the status of some of these factions. So they might get more powerful, they might merge, they might split. And we should also feel free to do that as part of our own actions when we take actions in the game. So, we have major factions and minor factions. 
Major factions are the big players, they have dice of their own to do actions with. The first major faction is the Gilfs, who are the group of radicals formed from the workers of Calvary. They're who Nilcat organises for, they are more or less who a lot of the maybes are attached to, in particular the jubilant maybe, and their goals are the overthrowing of the Nimshifts and all tyrants like them, and they also want to establish a people-led government of some form or kind. I've also got noted some of the characters attached to them, so some of the characters are Bolef Evel Kater, who is a revolutionary thinker and prominent council member. I don't think we've seen Sam on screen, but I'm kind of imagining they're one of the figureheads of the Gnolls. There is also Boktiv Dane, who we have seen on screen, who is like a hugely persuasive and widely read revolutionary thinker, who you rescue from the cut. And also in that group are people like Nilkat and Elif, and I guess Ezra, we could definitely bring Ezra into the picture if we fancy it at any point, and Ash, any of those people. Yeah, I imagine they're probably here for some of this. Not not all of it, it's a bit much. Mm. And then the other major group at the minute is the People's Ward of Atrium, who are a group of radicals formed from a mix of Atrium shopkeepers, workers, and lower middle classes. And even though the barricades got torn down, I imagine a lot of the radicals from that group are still around. I imagine at this stage they're not much different from the Ginnels in kind of thought and practice, but their two goals are to secure Atrium's future representation, and secondly to dismantle the Great Family's authority. Um, and the major characters there are Seravo McGlass, who was the person who got elected as Warden of Atrium, Carl Nimtris, who was part of our The Ground Itself game, who was like the busybody shopkeeper, and then I've also got Another person from that game, Rolf, who was a part of the Tanners Union, and also Dalton Pinder, who is Ash's dad. I'm not sure whether he is part of this. I just kind of point him down as a name in case you wanted to bring him in at any point, but he feels like he might be at some point. And then we've got a, a swathe of minor factions as well. There are people like the Winter's Lodge, who are aiming to protect the Winter's Lodge and its members. There are the associated interests of Tales End, who is led by Trilvo, and are looking for both legal recognition and protection for Tales End. There are the Lovin Street Barricades, who you helped in the score where you robbed the ministers, so the Vials and the Likelihood Lads, who are aiming for like citywide rent reforms and probably like protections for their sex work businesses. And I've not named this last group. I'm imagining that there's a group of people from like some of the other districts, like the Limbus District and Acreage District, which have some working class elements, but are maybe like slightly fancier, have the universities and things like that. The names I've kind of got in my head are like either like the Warpers or Wefters for like the direction they're in, or like maybe just like the Hoskers, which I think is a food in Embrace. Does anyone have anything there or like a better name? All my head will do is provide French revolutionary groups. It's like, we can't call them any of those. Those were real and French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I quite like Hoskers. Like, it's just a word. Yeah, I like the sound of it. Yeah, I like the idea that it's just like a food that is particularly prominent in like Limbus Market or something. And therefore everyone just calls them that. They probably don't call themselves that. And their goals are basically representation for Limbus and Acreage on this council. And some characters that we've seen that are connected there, I, I'm imagining like 
Durgeon Hesk, Nia's rival, has probably kind of slinked in there a little bit as well. So we'll see how that goes. So the other thing the Quiet Year asks us to do is it asks us to create some resources that we care about. One of them we have a lot of, and then the others are like things that we want or need. So does anyone have anything that comes to mind? Maybe something like communication? Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, that's so much more nuanced than mine, because my first thought was rage. Communication. Is rage what you're going for, friend? Yeah. Rage. And I think the one I'm going to go for, just because it came up in our last few episodes, is like safety. Mm. Or like defenses. Ah, a deficit. Yeah, so our three, three things are communication, rage, and safety. Which is in abundance and which is in deficit. Does anyone have any uh, any preferences here? Abundance of rage. Yeah. Does that mean the other two are in deficit? Yeah. Because I feel like there's a... There's a deficit of communication almost in that we have too much, if that makes sense. Like, there's no clear channel of this is what we're doing. It's like 800 pamphlets a day. Yeah. Like, I imagine the council or, like, the assembly is just absolute chaos. Yeah. Like, there's 500 pamphlets a day. There are probably a ton of different meetings happening. There's no real clear sense here, like, who is at the heart of any of this like it's still being fought for people are just getting invited like at random because someone they know knew about it yeah and there's probably like a lack of communication actually coming from like the streets of embrace as well like coming back from that mm. like about what's going on especially with the nim shifts being in control like it's probably all very patchy yeah. there's probably quite a lot of like rumors flying about okay i guess the last question I've got before we dive into play is what do we think the Winter's Lodge is like? Like, where are we in the Winter's Lodge? Do we find a big chamber that we do meetings in or is it somewhere else? What What is the space like? I like to imagine, like, you mentioned in the episode with Mel that there's, like, a dining room in the Winter's Lodge, or there was. Yeah. That, like, reminded Oaken of, of the one in the Jackal compound. And, like, if the Winter's Lodge is, like, slightly reshaped now based on things that Oaken wanted, like, I like to imagine it kind of just is that Jackal compound, like, <laughs> refectory. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. But, like, half-remembered, like, all the detail isn't there, but, like, the idea of it is. Mm. I also like the idea that maybe as we go on, it will reshape itself further. Yeah. If, if we're thinking about like the amount of like collective will that is mm. in this place, maybe there's a way that the assembly starts to shape the lodge, like unconsciously. Six hours in of everyone constantly thinking to themselves, God, I wish I could have a cup of tea. A kettle just quietly <laughs> appears in the corner. Yeah. And and at this time where there's like lots of like side meetings going on, I bet there's just like there's just a load of rooms that you can find and go off to and have quiet conversations in. I also like to imagine that everyone won't let anyone upstairs. Like, we're allowed the ground floor, but, like, all the upper levels are still doing what 
the Winter's Lodge did previously. Yeah. There's still like spirit counseling and, and weaving sessions and stuff, and we're just not allowed to go and bother that. All of like the cut orientation lessons. Here's what you can and cannot pass through in the cut and how to know. Are we are we ready to play? Yeah, I think so. So the way this works is we take it in turns to draw a card and answer the question on it, and then we do an action following that as well. Who would like to take the first turn? I'll do it. I'm not a coward. Okay. So I've got the cards in front of me. I'll draw one and let you know. So that's a two. Okay. Hoping to find common strength, a minor group merges with a major one. Add a new goal to the major groups as they adopt the minor's cause. Or, tired of being outmaneuvered, two minor groups join forces. What do they call themselves? Do they have the numbers to become a major group? See, my first thought for this would be the associated interests of Tail's End and the Love and Street Barricades, because they're like geographically neighbours. And especially if like Ivar and Trilvo are worried about an advance being made on Tail's End, the Love and Street Barricade is very important to them. Wonder if there's some some sort of allyship there? Hmm, that's pretty good. I don't know that they have the numbers to become a major group. Yet. Yeah. I wonder whether, like, that would take Winter's Lodge as well to do it. Hmm. And maybe that's not, maybe they're not quite signed up for that yet. Maybe that's why they're not quite there. Yeah, I think if they had Winter's Lodge, maybe it would be a major thing, but I don't think they do yet. I don't think everyone Eves would immediately be like, yes, I sign up for conflict. Yeah, I can kind of see how they probably need some time to form any kind of consensus or manifesto about what they want beyond defending each other. Yeah. I don't know that they um, would have a new name either. Is it just a combination of the associated interests of Tales End and the Love and Street Barricades? Featuring the Love and Street Barricades. <laughs> yeah. just, just that name just gets longer and longer as more groups join it. Yes. Perfect. And depending on who you're talking to, they will flip those yeah. <laughs> those things. Yeah, depending yeah. on who you're talking to, it's either the associated interests of Tales End with the Love and Street Barricades or the Love and Street Barricades protecting the associated interests of Tales End. <laughs> Just the barricades. That's what it's going to yeah, become. Everyone in the else end, just isn't calls it? them the barricades, yeah. yeah. But if you talk to anyone in either of these groups. Mm. Okay. So then the next thing that happens is if anyone's got a project, we'd count those down, but no one does yet because it's the first turn. So then you get to take an action. You can either hold a discussion about anything you like like point to something on the map and have a discussion reflecting the views of the community about it. And you can either lead by asking a question or you can just make a statement up front. You can discover something new. So that could be something happening within the city itself. That could be you being like, oh, there's a new minor group. These people have got prominence and power now. This is what's happening. And then the last one is you can start a project, which is you say what plans the revolution or one of its factions make and these are basically like long-term projects that are going to take a few different turns to get through and unlike the quiet year where normally what happens there is you go 
it's going to take six weeks or ever. We're going to use the blades in the dark clocks to measure how long something takes. So we'll call it a four, a six, or an eight-step clock, and then we'll roll dice against it depending on how many different groups in the council back it, basically, which we'll get to in a minute. So do you have a feel for what you want to do there? Um, I think maybe a discussion to, to kick us off. Sure. Because I feel like the uh, associated barricades of Tailsend and Love and Street emerging as a conjoined group probably comes out of or leads into some fairly heated discussion about the point of this meeting catering for everyone's immediate concerns. I think because we've got a lot of like persuasive revolutionary thinkers listed, I imagine there's quite a lot of sort of theoretical discussion about, you know, the nature of what embrace could be. And, you know, people like Chilvo or uh, Mara or Brahal are a bit more immediately concerned about, yes, but we are getting rinsed for rent and it's getting violent and we need to do something about that, please. That makes sense, yeah. So are you starting with a question or a statement? I think it's a question. I think it's a kind of a, not necessarily aggressive, but could be a question of like, what do you intend to do about the safety of the people who are here helping you? And I guess it's probably directed mostly at the Ginnels. Mm. I think I'm going to answer this from probably like the perspective of the people's ward of atrium. I sort of imagine Carl Nimtris standing up as safety takes the debate. And she's like, we should be wary of being too hasty in erecting barricades and making ourselves a target for the Nim shifts in the council. We saw Ooh. what happened. We saw what happened to Atrium. I'm not saying we shouldn't defend ourselves, Ooh. but we should make sure that we're ready when we do finally make our stand. Mara just heckling from the back that it's a bit late, isn't it? <laughs> it's very fair. Yeah, I know we don't have quiet ear contempt, but contempt on Coral Nimtris. <laughs> I mean, we can have contempt if we want to have contempt. <laughs> Should I make us some contempt tokens? I'm just going to write Boo by her name. <laughs> um, so I don't know who I don't know who this would be. Would say this, but I think there's another another sort of sentiment going around that individual districts building barricades and having their own little little fights isn't something that we should be putting our attention and, and time into when there's a bigger fight going on. There's a whole city at stake. Why are you worrying about one street? I like that. Barbara in the background yelling, I live there. <laughs> and because you asked the question for anything that goes back to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it ends very circularly with, you know, like, well, well, because we've done it and we live there and now, now we have <laughs> to do something about it. Um. I don't think it gets anywhere. I think the argument just sort of peters out a bit a bit sullenly. But yeah, I think mm. the, the final input from the associated barricades is very much, well, thank you for that magnificent hindsight. Us and our very existent barricades will just keep, keep on doing this then, I guess. 
Yeah. Good stuff. One of the reasons I like hold a discussion in the quiet, yeah, and this is like very much a part of the design and the rules is they're not meant to resolve anything. They're just, that's how like conversations in a community are. They're just very circular and frustrating, I guess. And if we want to do anything about it, we'll have to have a project or discover something in the future turn. So who would like to go next? Would you like to go next, Steve, or shall I? Nah, crack on. Go for it. Cool. That is the six. Which is, a major group splits. What is the source of their conflict? Create a new major group with a conflicting aim. Or a major group gathers power, allies, and capital. They begin to dominate proceedings. This is early. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ooh, that is early, yeah. I mean, yeah. so many of these questions are huge. It's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. Yeah, and I think we can definitely imagine like there are lots of smaller discussions going on. But yeah, I think it is just those first few days where everyone is trying to work out where everyone lies. And I think maybe this is like the beginnings of a split that takes a few days to like calcify fully. But I think the group I've got my eye on and of being like the biggest group here and the one most likely to to split in any way is um, the Ginnels. Because I think they are this, you know, large revolutionary group of just so many different associated interests. And I think the split that forms is not necessarily... I don't think it starts as we are walking away from you. It's more the ambitions and the aims of a subset of them start to start to shift and over time you kind of notice that there are kind of two wings of the Ginnels forming and the second wing the people who kind of split away I think I'm looking at Boktiv Dane who is um, the persuasive revolutionary that got rescued from the cut and Zanaris Crow who is the leader of the triumphant maybe and I think where they split is they're much more pragmatic in outlook. The Ginnels are fairly pragmatic anyway, but I think Boktiv and Zanaris and all of the people that kind of group around them are much more, let's just get rid of the great families and then we can worry about the rest of it. And I need to create a new major group. And I guess I need to like think of a good name for them. And where I'm drawn to is like, this feels like jackal tactics. Like, I feel like there's a lot of calling to the jackals as like, okay, the way the jackals deal with stuff is they go in, they kill the remnant, and then they worry about everything else after. And I like the idea of them having a name attached to that. Is, is there like a smaller version of jackals or something like that? The little jackals? The wolves? The, wee the foxes? <laughs> like... I, I nearly I started to modify it in my head and was like, the Jacobins? No, that, no, that no, does not no. work. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, there has to be something in there, doesn't there? Hmm. Getting away from naming for a split second, um, when you when you say they've got a more pragmatic uh, approach, do you mean like I I, I don't know if I'm, I'm I'm getting the wrong impression, but do you mean they're uh, they're also sort of more extreme in their methods? Or it's just the yeah. that they're just a bit more direct in their goals. I think they're more willing to be extreme. Like, I think just looking at like the Ginnel's goal, which is to overthrow Nimshifts and all tyrants like them. I think that the simple conflicting goal is to kill all Nimshifts and all tyrants like them. Mm -hmm. And I think 
like that's probably not that different to a lot of the Ginnels. Like I don't I don't want to lessen what's been happening on the scores. Like I don't think we've been kill heavy or anything like that. But like I would assume that the Ginnels will use violence when they need to, but we'll probably end up being like, if we get the chance, we will try them and we will put their fate to the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we've we've been very willing to do violence. Yeah, yeah. totally. But like there's there's a kind of different violence that comes out of this group. And I guess like the second part of it is like their second aim is to establish a people-led government. I don't think this group has that aim. Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine their first aim is to like thinking about like political groups is like almost create like a placeholder government, right? Like there needs to be like a transition government that will allow the revolution to happen. And like their primary aim at the minute is okay, we need to just rid ourselves of what's here. And then we need to worry about like how we rule ourselves after that. Oh God, Ash is absolutely on board with this, isn't he? This is totally his his thing. Oh God, no, it really is though. Uh, like act in the moment and think about what comes next afterwards. Didn't Ash have an existential crisis when he thought he'd killed Fake Oaken? Yeah, yeah, but the um <laughs> the, the, the overall sort of do stuff now and leave the the mop up to everyone else. Hmm, like. I guess the the difference here is that their approach is do stuff now and then and then we will deal with the mop up, you know. Like it's, yeah, yeah, true. It, it's a soft way of being like, we want a revolutionary dictatorship. Like that. This is entirely who this Fuck, group is. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Very leftist authoritarian. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, jeez, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, going back to the names, like you were talking about, um, spin up, spinning off from the jackals, like. The image when you think of jackals, you think of them as, as almost sort of scavengers, like carrion, carrion creatures, mm. right? So something that's more of a hunter, like I, th- I think you said wolves, that works a lot better because wolves have this kind of image of uh, aggression. And e- even though it's not actually true, the kind of stereotype of wolves is there, the things that ambush you, that hunt you. you know? Yeah, I like that. It, it's very simple, but like, I don't think anyone in this revolution is sat around being like, what's a really good name? I mean, people probably are, but, you know, like for, yeah. for their political <laughs> rivals, it's like, what does what sticks here? I wonder, it's, it's like wolves of something or the something wolves or mm. I don't know. Well, they probably have their own name, right? Like, I, I think they call themselves something, but like, this is just what sticks is people call them the wolves because that's what's easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, And the interesting thing about having... Another major power is essentially the revolution has a tier three, so it has three d six worth of dice, and we're kind of splitting them between them. So with the wolves now being a major faction, we've now got three major factions with one d six, and it's up to us whether that's how it works in the minor factions are just having less sway, or whether one of these major factions also becomes a minor faction in their place. Like, do the Ginnels or the People's Lord of Atrium slink a little bit in power? Or into the background? I can definitely see um, Atrium sort of starting to slip out of prominence a bit when there's such a a high-level conflict between these two variants on the same ideals. A lot lot more attention is going to be on the conflict between these two parts of the the group instead of Atrium. And and I guess, like, it's interesting whether Atrium adapts and adopts some kind of like a bigger goal or whether they they kind of just become a lesser concern is interesting to me so i think mm. leaving them there and seeing what happens is quite good 
or or even if there's any kind of drift from some some of the folks in atrium towards the wolves yeah okay so then we take part projects which you don't have and then we start a new project no well we don't necessarily start a new project take an action but sounds, sounds like you've made you made your mind up yeah yeah um and i think the project i'd like to do just thinking about like what we saw on screen is like maybe there's a project to secure weapons for the revolution like we know that that's sort of happening with Ivar anyway, and I think it's nice to reinforce it here. So maybe, um, maybe Zanaris and the Wolves start a project to steal weapons and arm as much of the revolution as they can. Oh, good. This is going. This is this is great. <laughs> this is hopefully next turn is more hopeful than this one. But yeah. So the way the project works is we assign a project clock to it so do we think this is a four a six or an eight step clock six six or eight i don't think it would be easy yeah i'm thinking six yeah i'm kind of tempted just to stick it to an eight just because we know it's going to be a score later on yeah um and then so the next thing we do for a project is we assign dice to it and we roll them so who here is supporting this project so the wolves give us one dice and then, do we think the Ginnels or the People's Ward will help us? I don't feel like the People's Ward will. No. Especially based on the last discussion we had. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The Ginnels, maybe, because I think like they, they don't necessarily 100% agree with, with Boktiv and Zanaris and their goals, but they do also very much need to be armed. Yeah, like I can see them definitely do it from like a defensive point of view. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it feels like a best of a bad situation agreement. You know, they, they don't want them doing this, but if they're going to, we might as well benefit from it. Okay, so that's 2d6. So I'll give them a roll and then we tick the clock, depending. So that's a four, so we got to tick two segments of this clock. So that's two of eight. That's my go. Um, So who is next? That'll be me. Thank you very much. A fringe cause suddenly seems relevant. What is the cause? Creates a new minor group to represent it. Or a major group compromises on one of their goals. What do they gain from this? Add or alter a major group's goal. Jesus. I think, I think I'm going to go uh, lean towards the minor because we've had uh, a couple of major groups yeah. uh, doing big things recently. So... Um, it says a fringe cause suddenly seems relevant. I wonder if it's um, mm -hmm. lace port or something. There's some um, so, so something about dock workers, um, like because because there's only the one dock now in in the city. Maybe they're like pushing to get more power and more representation or something like that. Yeah, and I guess there's probably some amount of turf war going on there between the official docks trying to move to where the lace port stuff is so like the lace port beneficiaries are like an illegal dock like radical cooperative who are basically doing stuff for the revolution kind of illicitly and oh, then the right. other dock is the one that got destroyed near atrium which is probably running just very badly but i could definitely imagine the city's councils being like okay that one got destroyed mm. why don't we legitimize this one or move some of our facilities into the same place where the lace port beneficiaries are so so there's sort of like a, an illegal illegal dock running out of it looks yeah. on the map like a pretty major bay yeah 
Okay. Yeah, the reason that bay hadn't been used before is that's the bay where the ochre hull was with loads of coral. Oh, jeez. Right, right. Yeah. So, so, that, so they're just kind of like, I think their dock moves and they're kind of roaming around there, just staying out of the way of the authorities and smuggling cheaper goods into Embrace. I wonder if there's like a, a sort of floating market there. Mm. Something like that. That's nice. And like the, the reason it kind of acts as a as a dock for bringing goods in is because they they basically come in under the guise of traders and stuff, but then just disseminate stuff out out throughout the city. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing is, how does this how does this happen in in a in, in a day or a couple of days? Um, it could it could be stuff that's been happening for weeks. It's just like someone comes in and it's like, okay, you need to pay attention to this, you know. Hmm. Or someone could just write a manifesto and be like, "Hey, food shortages." Yeah, I'm. I, I, no, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna just go r- relatively big. I think the, the the new the new dock that is being built by the by the city. Mm. Um, the, the the building works on it. It it, it burns down. Uh, <laughs> somehow, you know, mysteriously uh, catches fire. Um, and. Maybe, maybe there's some losses, but I think it probably happens at night. Who could say why? Yeah, absolute mystery. And, Couldn't possibly imagine. Uh, <laughs> and suddenly, the Laceport uh, beneficiaries offer a a community alternative mm. at the expense of like some sort of representation on their new their new council. Maybe they kind of try and make themselves official. Oh, so th- so they're like then they're not becoming a faction here. They're going to like the other council. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think they're still going to have links to to this council, but they're trying to get an official seat on the t- the table. There's some hindrances in my score plans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does it? Okay, hold on. <laughs> do Do we see like both sides of it happen? Is it just like a big split? Yeah, I could see that, like a fracture. It might not be that they're doing this completely to suck up to the council. They're just like trying to find a way to make this legitimate enough while still supporting yeah i I, like playing both sides but yeah yeah Yeah. exactly on the side of the revolution like there's a lot more money to be made from working legitimately even if your interests are against that maybe maybe that's the that's the split yeah and i like the idea that the reason they've now got more power is because they're able to just channel that back into us Mm, yeah and also have a bit of an inside view, like hear what's going on at the uh, at the major uh, council. I like that. Um, same projects tick over. Um, we still on two dice, I guess. Nothing major's changed there, I don't think. So, well, that's a critical. Jeez. So that's a double six. So that goes up by five. So it's now seven of eight. Whoa. Um, hmm. I wonder what, what that could have been. Yeah, what has happened there? One of the things I'm looking at is there is like this little outpost, like near where the bridge fell. I imagine, like, as we were like crossing out the bridge while we were getting ready for this game, I was like, I imagine there's just been a group of swifts or soldiers or mercenaries or whatever, like a small army that the council has, just been sat there for like months. And maybe they come on side. That there is like arming yourselves and there is like having people trained to be to use those weapons oh jeez yeah like maybe Zanaris has got them on side and yeah 
that is why there's such a big jump there. Yeah. I don't know if I like that, but that's where the dice are laying. Okay. Um, and then, and then, yeah, you get to your your action, so you can discover something new, hold a discussion, or start a project. Um, I was about to do discussion, but if that if that project's gonna be wrapping up, I think we should keep keep at least one clock running. Um, so I'm gonna start a project. It's gonna be. <laughs> I think we're gonna move the barricades. Um, I think they're going to start expanding the barricades out, uh, finding friendly nearby streets, and do the do the old uh, shifting them up thing. Mm. Like in the night, just kind of like growing like a plant or something, just further yeah. and further into the city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, 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 there's there's people like one street down who who have just sort of, sort of been having discussions and coming and crossing the barricades and. They've been finding it very awkward to cross back and forth across the barricades to see their friends and family. So they go, hey, guys, why don't we just, you know, shuffle it up a, a wee bit? Um, and it just happens one street at a time at first. Maybe it just happens one street. But over time, it's going to just start pushing outwards into the city. Yeah. Possibly. What's that um, That bit of fleshwoods down by Tell's End there? I wonder if, if they sort of push out to take over that eventually. Oh, no. You know what? It's a project. The start of it is moving the barricades. That's that's yeah. as far as we go. And convincing people. Mm-hmm. I, I've had a different thought, or a second thought, about um, why the arming the revolution goes better as well. Just thinking about like who Boktiv spent a bunch of time with down in the cut was the Bismuth Bends. Oh, f- oh, yeah. That makes sense. I forgot about them, yeah. The, the Steed Quarry and like the Bismuth Bends come and join? Our new BFF Steed Quarry. Yeah, I think Steed joins the wolves. Oh, no. Oh, of course, of course he, he does. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just seem very similar. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was just thinking about it and was like, yeah, I can see that. Finally, a chance to wear my tactical jacket. Do <clears throat> uh, the rest of the revolution now at this point is a very pertinent question. I feel like Steed Quarry wouldn't miss the chance to come to the meeting. You know, yeah, yeah, that's true. Voices, opinions. Um, so your clock, sorry. Mm-hmm. What what length of clock do we think it is? I think that's another another big one. Um, mostly so that it's got a chance to be interrupted, because I think this is the kind of thing that interruption would be interesting. Yeah. So let's call it an eight. Okay, and then we get to roll dice. Who who is who is joined to this, I guess? So you get one dice as standard, and then if other people are happy to help, then then you can. Do the Ginnels? I feel like the Ginnels probably would, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel the Ginnels are going to be doing a lot of general support for other, other projects as a kind of unifying thing. I can kind of see this just be generally just a free dice project, looking at who is involved. I don't know, People's World of Atrium are not very pro-barricade so far. I mean, Coral Nimtress is not very pro-barricade, but I think... Coral isn't, but I guess other people are. Yeah. Generally, they probably are, considering everything that happened there. And, like, I feel like maybe their involvement is less that they wander down there in the night to construct barricades and a bit more like, all right, well, from personal yeah, experience, yeah. you'll want to Here's do this. some of the ways that they, things yeah. they're going to do to pull it down, so you want to defend this way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so do you want to roll 3d6? And let's see how we do. That's a six. Cool. Uh, so that's... It's three. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, three out of eight. 
Is that everything? Uh, yeah. So, friend, I think you're up next. And that's an eight. Eight is... A charismatic young speaker takes the floor. Who are they? What unlikely goal do they convince a major group to pursue? Ooh, I have some thoughts. <laughs> or... An aging firebrand gives a breathtaking polemic. What do they speak against? What strange new alliance is formed? Jailbreak, jailbreak, <laughs> jailbreak, jailbreak. Yes. Uh, but who? Adam, please. <laughs> a snillcat. Wait, aging? Oh, no, yeah. the, the first one. <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, I can't think of any any other young ginnels that I know of off the top of my head who would suggest something so unbelievably optimistic. Ezra? Um, Ash? Are either of them charismatic? <laughs> <laughs> Nia? But no, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be Ezra if we if we take a very forgiving view on charismatic. I mean, th- does Nil can't bring Ezra in to do this? <laughs> like a parent bringing a child to show and tell for moral support. Just the pair of them. Tell the room what you told me. You said it so nicely earlier. <laughs> Just love the idea of like the pair of them like trying to convince people. Yeah, maybe uh. maybe they do do this together. Actually, maybe this is two points of attack. Yeah, I think this is this is the beginning of the jailbreak. I intend to do. <laughs> and and which major group do they convince? I think it's the Ginnels. Mm, yeah. Because they still have the higher, presumably at this minute, they still have the higher number of members and the more contacts. Yeah. Which is what we need, because we need them to convince other people to come help us. To come help the Ginnels or the revolution? To come help whoever volunteers to, to do this. Yeah. And I think the way that we convince them is that Lena Fisher is, or has been, fairly instrumental in keeping the revolution as a nebulous entity vaguely together. I think that's what she was very good at. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously a thing we're struggling with at the minute. Yeah. And I think there are other revolutionary figures in there with her. Some of them, I guess, must have been just arrested before Lena could harbour them in the temple. Or just in the days after and all or, of that. Yeah in, the, yeah, in the time after. There's also the fact that, that people are being arrested just for associating with revolutionaries now. I think that will have less sway with the Ginnels. I think that's true, a very true. reasonable argument, but probably doesn't garner quite as much attention. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of like popular support as opposed to just uh, uh, an in-faction support thing. I don't know that we want popular support because I don't know if we want people to know this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) I think the fewer people who know the better at the minute, but it might snowball. Mm. Okay. I I think this probably starts as a project then. Yes, I I think think it probably starts as a project. So who who is backing this? Obviously, like the Ginnels are there already. Mm -hmm. Do the other major groups back it? I think Boktiv might. Yeah, it's very direct action, isn't it? Yeah. And it would look good for him Mm. if it works. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I imagine some of sort of the the minor factions would. Probably not the Hoskers, but. But I, I can also see like the People's Ward would as well. If it's yeah. Lena. Yeah, I think a lot of the People's Ward would really rally behind the idea of getting Lena back because mm-hmm. Atrium very much changed under her brief yep. direction. Okay. So I think that sounds like 3D6 again. Like, I feel like we're fairly united in yeah. these big actions that aren't giving everyone guns. <laughs> Oof. It's a four. Uh, so that ticks up two. Okay. And then um, let's, I'll just do a roll for the Arming of Revolution. I don't need to roll, actually, <laughs> because it is uh, seven of eight. But I'm just going to roll to see how this last bit goes, just in case that gives us any flavor here. It's a six. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're definitely getting guns. Yeah, I think there are some some scores led by the Triumphant, maybe, and others like them. I think, essentially, some of the people that Boktiv and Zanaris managed to gather are almost turned into, like, makeshift maybes. They're not quite the same, that they don't have quite the same objectives, but I think over these few days, like, there are new scores happening where there, there are pressures put on, you know, various stores across the city where people know weapons to be held. There's probably some stuff where people are, are making makeshift spares and stuff. Like, I imagine Embrace isn't, like, a gun-heavy city, you know? Like, it is mostly sort of medieval armaments. So, yeah, I imagine there's a bunch of work going on, and I think that there are weapons for if we need to defend the barricades. And let's leave that at that. <laughs> Um, and then, you, uh, yeah, Steve, you get to roll for the barricades. That's a four. So that goes up two. So what does that look like? Um, I think that's just things keep moving. There hasn't been any major uh, opposition to this, um, but also it's not accelerating at all. It's just the odd street here and there just starts inviting inviting the barricades up. Yeah. That's quite nice. Slowly taking over, like, Hinterward. Mm, yeah. And then, Fryn, you get to take your action. Ooh, yeah. Um... Do you want a discussion, a project, or to discover something? Uh, maybe discover something, but I'm not sure mm. what. It'd be nice to discover something. Yeah, so in the in the list, it could be about... The revolution, its enemies, or the city. It could be about the lodge. It could be about anything, really. Like it's a it's a chance to create a story moment if you want to. If something is happening with the nim shifts, or something is happening with the cut, or anything like that. Or it could be like a new faction emerges. We can use that to like detail changes within the revolution as well. Mm, yeah, I mean, maybe this is a a good place to do a new minor faction coming in. I was I was saving it for a question, but I guess there's no guarantee I'll get a question about that. Um, <laughs> so I think it's nice, especially because we are a few days into these meetings now, that this might be where I bring the painted hands in. Okay, yeah. Because they did agree to come to this, but they did not agree <laughs> to be on time. Have they not been here yet, then? <laughs> no, I don't think they have. <laughs> and turning up like... Perfect. 10 days late, like, hello. Yeah, like a week and a half after the discussions have started, Amrys turns up on her own damn time. And what does that look like when they show up? 
Ooh, unfortunately, I think this might be a, a good one for the wolves. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, because that's very that's kind of uh, in line with the painted hands sensibilities. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're interested in establishing a temporary government, but I think they are interested in tyrants and the downfall thereof. Getting shit done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the painted hands are very like gonna punch you so hard that you can't punch me back. Yes, absolutely. That. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Amaris turns up because she hears about this. Uh, this plea for jailbreak. <laughs> I think that might be the thing that stirs her to action. And is she pro it or against it? I'm on the fence. I think she might be pro. Mm. Just love the idea of her turning up, storming in, and then saying nothing and just listening to what's going on for a bit. Yeah, turning up halfway through Ezra and Nilcat's impassioned plea to the council, just making uncomfortable eye contact with both of them the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I think maybe actually Amrit is is pro the jailbreak, but maybe as part of the catalyst from it moving to we have to get Lena and these revolutionaries to fuck the whole place. We'll we'll bring the whole thing down. Mm, yeah, that's quite nice. Like if you if you're gonna go for it, then go for it. Don't be a coward. Yeah, I can absolutely see Amrit like turning to either Ezra or Nilka or whoever's talking. Probably like neither of those, but like you know, there's probably someone from one of the wards or atriums or the Hoskers like, you know, oh yes, and we should try and get this person out and this person out. Like very mm-hmm. like they've Making made a, a list, list or something. Yeah. And they're like, no, fuck that, get everyone out. It, it were you to it were you to cast judgment, sort of thing. Yeah, she's Amory's putting a cigarette out on the lovely table of Winter's Lodge and being like, all or nothing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Is that you done? I think that's enough trouble caused in here for now, yeah. Until next turn. Okay, so I have drawn a seven. Which is, Eva, the Winter's Lodge reveals a secret. What is it? Are its benefits universal, or does a group manage to keep it for themselves? Or, the ambitions of one of the cut's masters spreads to the Lodge. Whose influence is it? The jackals, the envoys, or the bees? Who do they claim? Uh, uh, I've got like a couple of things here. I wish these weren't the same question or card now, but I guess one of these can come up in the game. Like, I've got a good one for the Winter's Lodge, I think, but I think I'm going to set that to one side and let Oaken discover that in our next episode rather than go into it here because I think that that's sort of a better thing. And I think I'm going to answer the ambitions of one of the Cut's masters spreads to the Lodge. Whose influence is it? And who do they claim? I'm interested in like whose influence you want this to be. Do you want it to be like Karnim Dakers or Lilliams or Mel's? I mean, I feel like at this point Mel's influence is pretty minimal, right? Yeah, and like maybe bringing that back isn't as interesting. It's yeah, she she's a gentle nudge in Oaken's subconscious more than yeah. anything. I mean, the very obvious one here actually is just the jackals get in contact with the wolves. Yeah. I wonder if the the more interesting one is Lilium, simply mm. because it helps to divide the council a bit more. Yeah. We can have both, you know? Oh, God. Oh, God. Like, I, I don't know whether we're going to get to explore all of that on screen, and maybe I'm not interested in, like, resolving those those bits by the end of the season, but, like, 
yeah, we, we've seen the Death's Defiant, who are like Winter's Yule's ghosts and who work for Lilium. I can definitely see some of them coming here. So they were the ghosts that were able to use people and like occupy their bodies, I guess. But even just stuff like we've seen other factions working for Lilium. And maybe like the faction I'm kind of drawn to, because we because we already saw like Lilium had contact with like the provenders and stuff, right? And I wonder whether like a bunch of the Hoskers are kind of involved in that and are kind of being bought out and influenced over to support Lilium. Virgin is maybe one of them. We'll find out. Does does uh Lilium control the the worms? Or yes. have I got the wrong end of the stick on that? No, Lilium controlled the, the worms. Because that would be a really strong way to get Atrium on your side. Hmm. Yeah. Do the worms return? What if they do, yeah. I, I don't know what that means or how that changes how Atrium reacts. What if, what if somebody representing Lilium or somebody is able to say, you know, the worms are going to come back um, and it's because you're doing the right thing. Um, here's here's some other things you can do to help, and this is what the worms want, and, you know, is able to predict what they're yeah. going to do, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I like the idea that for now it's almost just, like, a good omen, and we'll maybe explore what the extent of the Envoy's influence is over time. But yeah, like, that kind of thing is interesting, I think. And what I'm interested in, like, painting here is, like, this council isn't free from those influences. I think those spread, and they might not be become important, but they're definitely there. In the same way that they were fighting over the goal, like, they're continuing to fight here. But yeah, I think the one I'm sort of more interested in as well is... I think the jackals contact the wolves. I don't think it's any kind of official thing yet, but we saw at the start of the campaign with the, the skeleton episode, like, the jackals are not fans of the nimshifts. And while they can't join the council officially, at least not yet, I imagine some of the gaining of arms that the wolves managed to take was fully funded by the jackals, for them steering the council in certain directions, or at least being backed in their play. Like, I don't think the jackals are fully behind the revolution, but I think they're definitely hedging their bets here. There's a reason that they have been around for so long in the city. Um... Then we tick some clocks. So we've got the build barricades clock and the jailbreak clock going. Who would like to roll first? Uh, barricades started first, so. That's me, isn't it? Sorry. That's you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's another four. So um, another two ticks. Another two ticks. One away. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think this is just, I don't think anything changes. I just think over, over the, the course of these days, while these meetings are happening, this crawl of expansion is just still happening, and there just hasn't been any real objection to it. Nobody seems to be upset or anything for some mm. reason. Or maybe they're just biding their time. Yeah, I love the idea of the new Council of Embrace obviously hasn't taken any action yet. And like some of that is probably just... There's almost like the city is holding its breath trying to work out what the next big thing is going to be. And in the meantime, people at the ground level are just kind of pushing. Yeah. Pushing and and securing what they have. Mm -hmm. And then the jailbreak? 
Yeah. That's six. Hey, there we go. Cool. So hey. it goes up by three. So that's on five of eight. Nice. Okay, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But does anything interesting happen with this? Is are there new plans made? I think this is just like as groups start drifting into this new council, we build the ranks of who is willing to come with us. Yeah. And I think it's just at the minute kind of holding on until there are enough capable people on the roster of who will be there and until we maybe get some information about what it actually is like in there yeah just waiting to see yeah i think it's just a bit of a slow build to to get people on side to do something supremely dangerous i mean it's been a couple of days so slow slow is a relative term but yeah yeah yeah. that's true (laughs) just a lot of turning up at people's houses bothering them (laughs) i like it oh and then i get to take an action um what do i want to do i could discuss something i could discover something i could hmm i sort of want to hold a discussion i think do it yeah i'm just gonna look at i just want something trivial like i feel like there's been a lot of the big overarching stuff and i'd love to like stare into some of the the smaller stuff um Actually, I, I said smaller, and then I looked through my list of like undercurrents and fringe groups, and I I saw a group here, and this seems very relevant. So there's a group <laughs> that I just put down as as the ardent, who I think are largely formed from like immigrants from the rushes and Eolith. Ah, oh, what up? Yeah, like I imagine Ezra knows a lot of them, and I think one of the things they come to they they come one day and they put the issue of the jackals on the table. And maybe it... I can't remember what, what a rush's name's like. Do we need to name someone? We maybe don't need to name someone. We don't need to, but if you do, yeah. uh, the rush's names are quite middlingly long first names that get shortened and then like a an aspirational surname. I, I just won't do a name. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think one of them stands before the main hall of the assembly one day and it's just like and i'm starting here with a statement when all's said and done and your revolution's successful and we and we take mork's mantle for our own we should march down to the jackal's headquarters and disarm them all and stand them for trial for their crimes crimes they're bloody heroes <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say. Boo! Is that Ash just at the back? <laughs> Ash impersonating a middle-aged man. <laughs> Crimes. They're bloody heroes. As if anyone's gonna invite Ash to these fucking meetings. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I can't imagine that the disarmament of the jackals is a popular opinion. No, I imagine certainly like a lot of. Maybe the the Hoskers people, like Dersion and Marisol, being very, you know, a, an integral part of Embrace's long history of of moral righteousness and fortitude, which aspirational really the jackals. <laughs> yeah. We could learn a great deal from them. Yeah, and I guess there's even a degree of like, so I shouldn't be adding to your conversation. But do it. Okay. No rules. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I imagine there's a degree of like a feeling of the jackals 
owning the true power of the city. Like, we're all from the UK. I imagine it's a bit like someone saying, we should abolish the monarchy. And yeah, we should. But there are people that are like, yeah, but they, they've they got all the traditions. They've got all the knowledge. And it's probably like even bigger here. Like, let's disarm the Knights Templars and the Pope. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like being like, oh, let's disband the monarchy. But the monarchy is like... Arthur and his knights. Yes, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. living down the street from you. <laughs> exactly. So very much not like Disband the Monarchy then. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, like it's very, from the Arden's perspective, they come from the place where Relict was killed. And I imagine there's a lot of like, like outside of Embrace and even within it, just anti jackal sentiment still lingering. Also, all I can get the image of at the minute is like Oaken walking past while this conversation happens, because Oaken is presumably still living in the lodge. <laughs> just walking past in Nat but his trousers, sipping a coffee. <laughs> yeah, and someone just be like, we should start with Oaken. <laughs> cool. No, that's my turn. That's my conversation. Um So, Steve, you're next. Uh and that is a three. A three. <laughs> Fucking hell. The Nim shifts outlaw the council. Which group cuts its ties with the assembly? Or the Nimshifts outlaw the council started an ill-fated project to strike back? Oh, jeez. Um, what do you folks think is the more interesting out of these two? The first one is probably going to be the Lacepool Beneficiaries, right? Or the Hoskers. Or the Hoskers, yeah. Or the Hoskers. Hmm. Which is also very interesting, like... Because I imagine they're very much playing both sides and are like some of the old council members. And those just disappearing is very interesting for the future of Embrace. Although that does that does kind of take away one of the one of the kind of conflicts for within the council. Yeah. Polarizes us a bit more rather than having internal conflict, which um... Yeah, like it's it's sort of interesting, but it's also in, not interesting in some ways. I don't know what the ill fated project would be. But I know you've literally just done it, but what remind me again what the like how how close the jackals are tied to because you you said that like they were sort of in contact with and sort of giving some support to the to the wolves. Uh, I'm wondering if they go, oh, hold on a sec, and just may, maybe this this uh, outlawing the council is a response to the jackals starting to like show support. A way of kind of forcing them to pick a side yeah like people have been sort of talking about the jackals as being supporting the revolution that's been the rumors going around whatever mm. and as a response the nim shifts basically force them to play their hand yeah, um, yeah. and force them to come out and publicly denounce the revolution yeah i like that and i like that does that ruin some of our defense plans it probably sets it back, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, probably. And I imagine it's not that the jackals stop playing both sides. It's just that they have to be much more careful about it. Mm. And as far as the general public is concerned, they're they're fully on board with the Nim Shifts, which really strengthens the Nim Shifts' position. They go parading in the streets next to Valor and Vigor. Oh my god, yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I also like imagine it a little bit of like them getting in touch with the revolution, see what happens, and just uncovering the pure chaos that the revolution is at the minute, and just like, we'll wait. <laughs> oh shit, you're a mess. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see who we'll see who wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, let's move some uh, some things along then, I guess. Yeah, roll your dice. Uh, starting with the barricades, I think. That is yet another four. Um, yeah, I'm. It's been like weirdly uneventful this whole barricade moving business. I think eventually it just gets to a point where the streets that they're expanding to, the people on the other side are like like vocally against it and you start moving into the areas where people would rather be on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, and nobody's interested in pushing this. You know, they've been invited so far and as soon as they're not being invited, they're just going to, it's just, it just kind of peters out. This, this kind of momentum just comes to a bit of a, a quiet close and the area enclosed by the barricades has, exp- has expanded, but I mean, not dramatically. Uh, let's... I guess I'd imagine most of Hinterward, mm. which is fairly big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah. I kind of imagine part of why it's so uneventful is you keep expecting resistance and it just doesn't happen. And yeah. you, you've got a decent pair of barricades and there's no real like pushback against it. Which is kind of weird. It's kind of like come before the stormish like people people keep expecting the swifts to show up and start tearing it down and it just doesn't happen yeah there's probably that bit where you're like we could have just just done this in one night it'd have been fine yeah no yeah, one would yeah, have yeah. cared but yeah um the the jailbreak Let's see how that's going it's a four so that's two segments yeah so that's seven out of eight nearly ready to go nearly ready to go <laughs> Who's getting pulled into it now? Like, I know Ezra obviously mm-hmm. got that big result. Like, how does this crystallize here? I think this is... we. I think we get the Lacepot beneficiaries on board mm. to get us there. Um, and I think this last bit of progress isn't necessarily getting people on board. It's figuring out how we're going to do it. So I think this this last section is maybe helped along quite a lot by uh, maybe we haven't seen much of on screen, but the indifferent maybe, which um, work mostly through informant networks and information gathering. I think uh, maybe where Nia was maybe mm. meant to go, but <laughs> didn't, didn't work out for, <laughs> for reasons. Um, I think maybe the indifferent turned the offer down, possibly. Wow, rude. I think they're they're quite well. I think the indifferent are very strict to to keep its members safe, and I don't think maybe near is their ideal candidate. <laughs> that capability. Um, near who's pre-written letters yes. <laughs> explaining why they've been uh, captured to all of their friends. I yeah. think there's reasons that say ended up with us and not the indifferent. Um, but I think, yeah, we maybe, with the support of the Ginnels in general, get them to put a lot of work into getting us maps of what this place looks like inside and schedules for guard shifts and uh, reports from people who've done maintenance on the building and things like that. And it's it's probably a lot of uh, very frustrated Ezra and Nilkat in <laughs> the Jubilee surrounded by paperwork. Yeah. And at the same time, because of the, I know the success of that like acquire asset role you made, 
probably turning mm. people down. Probably turning some people down, yeah. Like, there were probably, like, a hundred versions of Ash, but, like, less qualified. <laughs> like, I want to come. And just, like, no, we can't. We can't rock up with all of these people. We've already got one, thanks. Not turning them down, but having to come up with these very elaborate, <laughs> not entirely related jobs for them to keep them busy and sort of mollified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, yes. Sorry for that slight on Ash there. But... <laughs> no, 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 that was extremely accurate. <laughs> okay. And then, Steve, you got to do your action. Oh, God, it's still a thing, isn't it? Um... Yeah, I keep forgetting that. <laughs> All right, so oh shit, I should have been thinking about this the whole time. Uh, <laughs> I was too busy laughing at the the idea of the indifferent. Maybe it's such a good name. <laughs> I really wish we'd managed to roll them into Moscow's great name. Just more maybes. The maybes are great. Please, if if fans, if listeners would like to imagine their own maybes with oh their God. own good maybe names, please do let us know. Oh, abs- absolutely, tweet me some maybe names. Yeah. yeah. I think so far we've got the indifference, the triumphant, the practical maybe. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, the practical maybe is where Ezra started. Yeah. And then split off to, to do shenanigans. Too much of a wild card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do quite like the definitely maybe, but I, I don't know if that one actually exists. I think the definite maybe maybe yeah. is, <laughs> is a maybe. They call it the definite maybe maybe. <laughs> the maybe maybe. <laughs> Um, right, action, action. Do, let's do a thing. Um, I kind of want to. I kind of want to do another project, but we can do it. We can do the start of something. Yeah. What's What's going on in the background? What do I want to be? Uh... Oh, I've got it. I've got one. Okay. Um, okay. I think the um, the people's ward of atrium is going to try and get influence over the dock, bringing the dock workers on side, and even though it's like it's a huge point of interest for the Nim Shifts and the the ruling class in general. You've still got people working there. Mm. And I don't know whether the influence is financial, if they're they're making it very profitable for the people working there, or if it's if it's just heavily under guard. Um I don't know what how do you think they're they're keeping that influence? I don't know whether they are. In all honesty, like the Nimshifts probably care a lot about the docks and the food coming in from there. And I think given enough time, Valor is clever enough to like secure that. And it's probably why like she is trying to influence the beneficiaries to some degree as well, or has been. But I think at the minute, in these first days of like the Nimshift rule, there are probably guards there, but they're guarding the food. No one is necessarily keeping an eye on the workers or like trying to keep them in line. I, I think that the council that was here before was largely ineffective, and I don't think there has been enough time for, for that to change. I think it was the Masters of Key and Field. There's a reason they haven't repaired stuff, right? Like, I think they've been overworking people. They've been just trying to get food in, and, like, the people who are bringing that food in aren't seeing that food go to them. They're seeing, like, extortionate prices, and they're seeing that food go to the people that can afford it. Yeah, so I don't think this is going to be a particularly hard sell, really. To no. Me. Um, gaining control of it might be a different story, but getting the people on side. Yeah. So is this just like a four-step clock? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just just as something going on in the background, yeah. Okay. And who is adding to this? Who is supporting this? Is this everyone? 
Um, it feels like something everyone might get behind. Yeah, the wolves, maybe not, but... Maybe less, yeah. I, I don't think they care, yeah. But equally, like, I think there are enough minor factions who would help out. I don't know. Yeah, this is the question. Is it that enough people don't... Like, people aren't opposed to it, but just don't see it as a priority? Yeah, it's very much a local a local concern. Like, eventually it's going to be a major thing because, mm. you know, it's where the food comes in. Um, can, can, I, can I offer a suggestion from the Gnolls? Yes. We've not really seen Bolef El Kata on screen, who is, like, one, one of the primary, prime people in the Gnolls. And maybe they kind of... I, I love this image of the People's Ward thinking very locally about the food and, like, about the docks, and Bolef being like, you can have her support if you call a general strike. And, like, the Ginnels jumping on this as an excuse to turn this into something much bigger. Yeah, <laughs> like everything down that supply line is striking and not just the docks. Yeah. yeah. And people in support. Damn. All right. Yeah, okay, so... Should we go two dice, then? Let's go for two dice. It's another four. Have I rolled anything other than fours? All the time? <laughs> it's a lot of fours. It's fours lot of and fours. sixes, I think. I mean, fours are fours are good. You know, things yeah. kind of start happening a bit, but nothing is extreme or terrible. Yeah. So that's two out of four. Okay. okay. So next I think, card. Yeah, next card, which is Shrin. And that is our king. Correct. I am. And the card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the cards are seven. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, no, king the king is, the assembly declares itself the city's ruling government. Ooh, who is voted to be its head? Hmm. Or voted or declares. Like, I think the important thing is here, like, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be one person, and it doesn't have to be the long-term person. And it doesn't have to be a consensus, necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a consensus. Hmm. Because, like, within the People's Ward and the Ginnels, there are like sensible options of Cerevoma Glass is technically the warden of Atrium, <laughs> although how valid that is, who yeah. knows? Um, presumably, Boleth Errol Carter has quite a lot of standing in the Gidnals. Boktiv yeah. Dane will have quite a lot of standing. And also, yeah, like those three people are, I think, prime candidates, unless it comes from left field somewhere. And like Boleth at the head of a like mass strike sort of makes sense, or just Boktiv being like, cool, it's me. Like, there could have been, like, political wrangling behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't know that um, people would necessarily let Boktiv Dane no. get that far up. Yet. With his association with the wolves. Yet. So I think Cerevoma Glass and Boleth probably, without much fuss, are, you know, well, you'll do for now. Yeah. We'll start here. Um, there's a part of me that wonders how many people would, like, not as an actual political figure in in the council, but as, like, a figurehead. I am going to say Oaken (laughs) would ask for Oaken to be involved. Can you imagine? (laughs) But, like, under the proviso, he makes no decisions and has no thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine any of the Ginnels would go for Oaken to be... Absolutely not. And no. I don't think it gets through, but I do think there would be discussion. Like, people like Dersion yeah. 
kind of putting it forward as like, oh, but it will rally the common folk. You know, we'll get, you know, the, the middle classes on our side. You know, the people love a folk hero sort of thing. Mm. And I think that that introduces some tension into this. Yeah. Into this council. Can, can we just get Beck in the call for a couple of minutes just to get Ocean's <laughs> uh, point of view on this, please? Um, I feel like three is is sensible because then you can always have a majority kind of vote situation. And the third one that comes to mind, other than Lena, who we do not have access to currently, would be Everon. Yeah. But I don't feel like they'd be super excited for <laughs> I... that. For that possibility i don't think they'd want to no but i feel like a lot of people would maybe want them to mm. everyone is de definitely the person that would turn it down yeah i wonder if there's like there's a third seat that's that's been put aside with the intention of it being for lena but there's like a an interim mm. counselor in it at the minute i mean i could see if it's a trinity it being Bolef, Saravoma, and boktiv yeah, I think Boktiv is maybe the one who who sits in for Lena mm. or Saravoma, either way. Yeah. It, is there a person... Like, I like the three of those being... It's awful, but that feels like a compromise. It's awful, yeah. but it's yeah, feels like what would happen. Like, Saravoma sitting in for Lena makes sense, considering Saravoma is people's ward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there one of those that, like, is the figurehead, or do they all... All three of them sign their names to like the declaration that this is the city's government yeah i think so all three of them and do any of them hold more sway or not even like more sway do like bo levenbachtif go like saravoma is the compromise candidate who is in the who is the figurehead here or is it they're just not a figurehead i don't think there is one mm. i think you you know not that anyone from the outside is dealing with the council as of yet but Within the council, you, you deal with, quote-unquote, the council, and it's the three of them. I think practically, probably, Boleth might have a little bit more sway yeah. than the other two, just being from the, the biggest, most established, kind of long-running faction. But I don't think that's written written into anything. I think that just sort of happens naturally a little bit. Yeah. And is there anywhere else we'd like to go here? Or is is that it? I'm treating this like the King of Winter card, where like this sort of like ends our game, and we don't necessarily touch on anything else. But yeah, I think maybe ending it on on this this evening, where as many people as possible have crammed into this refectory to kind of watch watch the charter, the manifesto be signed, is a, is a nice place to leave it. Yeah, and I think so. I've got an idea for what happens after people sign this manifesto. I would love to hear it. Mm -hmm. I think we maybe get the start of those general strikes and we get the start of the two scores that we've been planning, the jailbreak and the plan to steal from the painted lanterns uh, from, from the temple above the, the hill. And I think part of the cover for both of those things is this general strike. And I think the planned protest for that day is for all of the striking workers to march up to the top of Marrow with this manifesto and, and share it with the council that is sitting there.